Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In the previous program, I mentioned about these wonderful developments in the latest primaries, uh, such as the great, great state of Vermont, which prides itself, I think the people, many of the people in the state of Vermont pride themselves on being independent thinkers, all right, Uh, not being Republican or Democrat, but being independent, independent thinkers. I am independent. I have zero confidence uh, in either major party. Uh, (laughs) That being said, I mean, the Democrat Party has stood for, regardless of the myriad so-called rank-and-file members, the Democrat Party has stood for evil (laughs) for decades and decades and decades, but and for the corrupting and perverting, the subverting, the destroying of this nation, supplanting what is good with what is bad. That's at the core. Those are the values, Democrat values. But the Republican Party has stood for weakness and appeasement and conciliation and so forth. Oh, I know that's not what you hear from the major media, but it is the truth. And when I lived in the Beltway, inside the Beltway, and just outside the Beltway, that is Washington, D.C. area, so northern Virginia, southern Maryland, what have you, and easternmost West Virginia, something that I heard and which stuck with me, which is so true, even though it is... It's so true, but it is a slight, slight generalization and so forth. But there is so much truth in it, is that the Democrats are the evil party and the Republicans are the stupid party. And there is so much truth to that. And the Democrats, for so long, have majored in dirty fighting, in dirty political warfare. And the Republicans have majored in incompetency in campaigning and allowing themselves to be portrayed as being the bad guys and bad girls. But I digress. So Vermont, Vermonters, as a group, uh, this is something that they do... Take pride in being independent, being independent thinkers. And lo and behold, they really asserted their independence here in the primaries. And they, at least a significant number, who were voting for Democrat, voted for this, well, you can call this creature what you want. Uh, Freak is the best I can do. But queer is not specific enough, even though it is a term that the sodomite community is very proud of and is near and dear to them, and they wear it as a badge of pride. So I'll just say queer if if that's less upsetting, more comfortable than freak. But This Hallquist, Chris Hallquist, was male, wanted to be female, had himself maimed. That did not make him a her. Doesn't make male female. Just makes it a an it. All right. And an incredibly ugly one now, too, uh, because was never fashioned, intended to be female, and lo and behold, uh, doesn't, doesn't do well. But many took great pride in voting for Hallquist. Some undoubtedly because of political platitudes and platform, but others 
just took perverse pride in sticking out their tongue, thumbing their nose at society. And that's the way a lot of young college people are, frankly. That might just sound, oh, no, how dare you say that? But it's the way a lot of college kids are, that they're in their rebellious years, and they they might quiet down sometime down the road, but at this stage of life that uh, they are in a rebellious mindset, and the only thing they really know is that they're against what their parents are for and so forth. That, it's true in many cases. I've certainly met many who choose to go to a college or university, choose a college or university based on how far away from their parents, from their family it is. Well, in any case, Hallquist won the primary, Democrat primary. An exciting, exciting development. And I saw revelers there really partying hardy, uh, and they were all young and uh, various races and what have you. And uh, so it's exciting to have a candidate like that. Meanwhile, I mean, this has been, you know, a long time coming, longer than you know. Uh, But back in 2015, early, early 2015, the University of Vermont, not to be confused with the state of Vermont, but the University of Vermont officially recognized neutral as a third gender. That's right. The state of Vermont was led by the University of Vermont, which officially, formally recognized neutral as a third gender. Gender. And furthermore, uh, they stated that students would be allowed to be referred to with gender neutral pronouns. Well, if the exceedingly high minded University of Vermont administration chancellor, president, and so on and so forth, if they could see fit not only to recognize a non-existent sex as being a sex, but furthermore, made a point of impressing upon the impressionable college students, student body, that they be allowed to use and to be referred to with gender-neutral pronouns, I think it's only fair that I be permitted to refer to those, such as Hallquist, as it and a freak. I'm gender-neutral, all right? So, but that was back in 2015. Well, way back when, way back when, Bill and Hill were coming into power when they had just been elected El Presidente and Co-Presidente. Bill made a big to-do about it being a two-for-one, that America had gotten a two-for-one. Not he and Big Al, Albert Arnold Gore Jr., no. The two-for-one was Bill and Hill. Bill Clinton, Hillary Rodham Clinton. That was the two for one. She was his co-president. And as I've mentioned before, she ran his political war machine, his war room, for the entirety of their presidency, as she had in Arkansas and Little Rock. But, They were dedicated to changing, to fundamentally changing, corrupting 
perverting, subverting, supplanting American ethos, American mores, American morals with their vile, perverse, corrupt ones. But they worked at it comparatively subtly in some respects. I emphasize some respects because their warfare that they waged against those who opposed the evil, the bloody, murderous evil of induced abortion, the war they waged against them was anything but subtle. It was just tooth and nail, vicious, ruthless monstrous stormtrooper warfare, as was the case in many other instances, such as Ruby Ridge and what have you. But in other cases, they dealt in subtlety, as they did with the Defense of Marriage Act, which Bill Clinton signed into law. But When Obama came to town, when he became the president in the place of Hillary, Hillary was the destined president-to-be. It was her destiny to be president. She had all of her supporters, the great world controllers, planners, and control freak people, I hesitate to say people, but control freaks. She had them solidly supporting her. But that support eroded because she was such an ineffectual campaigner. And her place was taken by one who was a much more powerful campaigner and who was absolutely as dedicated to all the same evils that Bill and Hillary were. And so these supporters switched allegiance and jumped aboard the Obama train. And Hillary saw it leave the station, and they left her behind. She missed out. And she had gone to such great lengths to become president, after all. She did her carpetbagger routine, went to New York State to become a U.S. senator, a la Bobby Kennedy, and I believe took down John John in order to ensure that that would happen. She was terrified of the competition from John Kennedy Jr., even though he had zero political experience, and even though he was not the brightest light on the block, he failed his bar exam I don't know how many times and so forth, but nonetheless... He was really good-looking, beautiful wife, beautiful sister-in-law. They had all this glamour and appeal, and there were just a great many people in positions of power and influence and riches who were enamored with John Kennedy Jr. He was the candidate they wanted. Because he was a perfect front man for whatever they wanted to do. (laughs) He was an improvement on John Kennedy. He was John Kennedy 2.0. Much more handsome. Without the physical debilities. And uh, anyway, I digress. But (laughs) she went to great ends. Great, great ends. No costs were avoided. They threw everything in the pot. They went all in. And she missed out. She failed. And so then she has to wait through the Obama years. Oh, yes, she's offered Secretary of State. Okay, but she gets to grow eight years older and eight years less attractive. This happens, okay? She doesn't have some magic sauce, okay? Eight years older, eight years less attractive, 
and she's running for president. And she's just as shrill and unappealing, as utterly unappealing and unauthentic or inauthentic as ever. And despite using hook and crook, she just pans out as a candidate. And so Trump is able to end around her. I mean, her supporters, her people that were in positions of power and influence and riches, they thought that the best way, the surest way to see to it that Hillary would be elected was to help Donald Trump become the Republican nominee. (laughs) Imagine their surprise and their shock when that didn't work out. Not just hers, but theirs. Well, she still harbors the belief that she can be president. I personally think that all of these who have ever looked kindly, favorably upon her candidacy will look elsewhere. I personally think that. But be that as it is. Even though Bill had signed the Defense of Marriage Act, when it was ruled to be unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court by a vote of five to four, Bill and Hillary together came out in their support, their enthusiastic support of that ruling by this supremely abominable U.S. Supreme Court. That ruling was in 2013. On the previous program, I mentioned about Jack Phillips, owner, operator, proprietor of Masterpiece Cake Shop outside of Denver. And Denver, Colorado. Now, Jack Phillips received a favorable ruling from the Supreme Court June 4th of this year. U.S. Supreme Court ruled that... He had been discriminated against. The ruling was seven to two. And they, the Supreme Court, ruled that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission had shown hostility to religion in ruling against Jack Phillips. And they had violated his religious rights under the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Now, this case, which again, they ruled on June of this year, this summer, it goes all the way back to 2012, all the way back to a year before the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act and enabled all of these sodomite perversion of marriage ceremonies to go forward and to be recognized and forced them to be recognized across the nation and by the military and by the military academies and you name it, all of the court system across the nation. Well, that particular case, what that pertained to, I just want to say more than I said the other day, and that is Jack Phillips, a devoted Christian. Small businessman, starts his business, names it Masterpiece. And I'm sure there are a great many people who would say, well, Masterpiece, what's that? Masterpiece Cake Shop. Masterpiece refers to more 
than his mastery and craftsmanship in making cakes. It is a testimony, I believe, I am sure, of his faith in God, his faith in Christ, and of his serving God by doing masterful work with this cake shop, this custom cake shop and bakery. Because of the attention to detail, because of what he does in creating these works, he can only create two to five a week, depending on other demands for his other confections and creations. Now, the sodomite activists insist that even though he's limited to that, okay, two to five a week, that he has to use his gifts, his talents, his skills given by God and developed by him which he seeks to use to the honor of God, he has to use those to celebrate and glorify villainy, vileness, lewdness, profaneness, degradation, perversion. And for him to fail to do so is discrimination. Against someone. No, it's just discriminating between good and evil is what it's doing. But anyway, amazingly enough, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in his favor. That ruling again was in June. Well, guess what? The evil ones in this nation, I know there are those who think there are no evil. I will, in fact, uh, reference one well meaning woman who is of that opinion later on. But lo and behold, the evil ones, they have their plans and their plottings and their conspirings and their schemings. And I have witnessed these firsthand going back decades now. Well, one individual who was of the same persuasion as the queer, the freak in Vermont, this former fellow, (laughs) who's an attorney in Colorado, had himself maimed and you know, purportedly turned into a female. And what did he do? He went after Jack Phillips. You have to understand, the first case that Jack Phillips faced, was confronted with, goes back to 2012. And he was ruled against, adjudicated against by this Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which is appointed by the Colorado governor. But Jack Phillips and that case is extremely well known throughout the greater Denver area. It's known nationwide but ex- and in all the law schools, but extremely well-known in the greater Denver area. And lo and behold, this lawyer, it'd be one thing if he was a plumber, this lawyer, he went after Phillips. He went to the cake shop, the Masterpiece Cake Shop, and he insisted that Jack Phillips create him a custom cake to celebrate his birthday. And he did this in 2017. This is long after 
the Colorado Civil Rights Commission ruled against Jack Phillips. This is before the U.S. Supreme Court ruled on the case, but it was sitting there to be ruled on, and he goes after him. This did not happen by accident. This wasn't some coincidental case. This is absolute deliberate entrapment is what this is by an attorney. And Phillips refused the request. And he cited his belief that, quote, the status of being male or female is given by God, is biologically determined, is not determined by perceptions or feelings, and cannot be chosen or changed, end quote. Well, the wonderful Colorado Civil Rights Division, again, ruled against Jack Phillips. So now Jack Phillips is having to go to court again. And as I mentioned about these wonderful headlines, the headline of this was Colorado Baker, who refused to make cake for gays, sues again. Oh, this terrible Colorado Baker, who was so terrible to those poor, dear, sweet sodomites there. Here he is going after them again. After Oh, my word, after those poor, picked-on people. When in fact, he is being premeditatedly persecuted. Not only by the sodomite activist community, but by the Colorado Civil Rights Division. Which the U.S. Supreme Court already found was hostile against his religious beliefs. Now, I found it just a wee bit hilarious that this attorney who had himself maimed to try to morph into being a female, you know, like Bruce Jenner, the former Bruce Jenner, that sad, pathetic episode. But anyway, that he requested a birthday cake, a custom birthday cake be made But to recognize his birth, no, that wouldn't make sense because he was born male. (laughs) Why would you, you know, uh, but to celebrate his, quote, gender transition from male to female. Well, (laughs) how does having a birthday cake or a birthday celebration, how does that align with that? How does it? You know, I. It's it's bizarre. It's beyond bizarre. But in any case, so this creepy, creepy individual brought this vicious, ruthless lawsuit to damage Jack Phillips and to destroy his business and to enrich himself at the expense of of Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Bakery. But what should have happened, really, when he brought this suit, it should, if there was a responsible judge, it should have been thrown out as being a frivolous lawsuit at the least. But if we did things the way things were done back in the days of the Bible, back when the Bible was still an unfinished product, if you will, Back in the days of the Old Testament, what would have been done is that this lawyer, Scardina, who is, <laughs> I'm not going to use the, uh, the name that he has given to himself, but anyway, he would have had to pay all costs for bringing this suit against Phillips, and it wouldn't have been just those costs. It would have been multiplied. But we don't do things that way because we are so advanced and we are so modern and we are 
so much wiser than God. Really outstanding. Well, you know, the original lawsuit against Jack Phillips, who came to the fore to take up that cause? None other than the uber-leftist, socialist, communist, dare I say, American Civil Liberties Union. But that's what you get from those good folks. So <laughs> it's just just breathtaking. Uh, now, I've mentioned about dear old Kamala Harris before, or I prefer to refer to her as Kamala, but Kamala, I believe, is the correct preferred uh, pronunciation. Well, she was attorney general in California before she ran for U.S. Senate to take the seat vacated by Barbara Boxer, that great champion of all things leftist. And back when Defense of Marriage Act was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court, she said the following, quote, As soon as they lift that stay, marriages are on. The wedding bells will ring. Yeah, she's outstanding. Uh, but anyway, now she's a presidential hopeful, a presidential aspirant. She's got all the goods. I mean, she is, she, I don't know if she's lesbian, but she certainly is heavily pro-lesbian, pro-sodomite. Uh, in addition to that, she's a woman of color. And uh, I don't know, I, she's, she's managed to position herself at the front of all discussions concerning potential Democrat candidates for president. Something exciting to look forward to. And uh, it's just... Uh, perhaps you recall this. I mentioned it more than once, I believe. But dear old President Barack Hussein Obama, at the time that he heard the great good news, which he had used his Justice Department to bring about, he placed a phone call from Air Force One to the two sodomite couples who had challenged this evil, odious Proposition 8 in California. And he told them, quote, we're proud of you guys, end quote. Who's we? Were. Okay, he was speaking for the nation. No, that corrupt, vile, profane, wicked, evil former president never spoke for me, doesn't speak for me. The fact that a lot of foolish people voted for him doesn't, doesn't grant him permission to speak for me. But his agenda... Right across the board, the same as the Clintons, was to destroy the military from the inside out. Not just to reduce troop strength, but to erode troop strength, to erode morale, to get rid of the best and the brightest from the military, and to stack the military at the highest ranks with the worst In addition to that, he did everything in his power to eliminate all nuclear weapons from the United States arsenal, stockpiles, and so forth, and so much more. Again, heavily invested in pushing the sodomite agenda in all of its various hues. Just an absolutely evil excuse of a president. I know, that's so harsh. That's really going out there. Well, when Bill and Hill, when they spoke ever so glowingly in favor of the Supreme Court's decision to strike down Defense of Marriage Act, they said the following, uh, well, Bill said it, but for Hillary, And he said, quote, 
By overturning the Defense of Marriage Act, the court recognized that discrimination towards any group holds us all back in our efforts to form a more perfect union. Back, end quote. Back to that in a moment. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever's right and good and true and accurate in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus. And whatever's lacking and erring is due to me. So back to this. So the court recognized that discrimination towards any group holds us all back in our efforts to form a more perfect union. Marriage is the ultimate union other than salvation through Christ. But marriage is the ultimate union fashioned, designed, created by God. God created us male and female. God created marriage. God created human sexuality. God created sexual reproduction. God created family. But here, Bill eloquently, this wonderful, righteous, godly, moral man here, he says, uh, to form a more perfect union. Well, you don't form a more perfect union than what God forms. Then you can say, oh, wait a minute. He's not, he's not talking about marriage here. He's talking about the United States of America. But what's he talking about? He's talking about recognizing something utterly false, a complete sham and fraud and lie that is an utter perversion of truth, of righteousness, of decency, of godliness, of morality, of social mores anywhere in the world up until these times in order to form a more perfect union. Outstanding. And Hillary, Hillary quipped, uh, quote, we are also encouraged that marriage equality may soon return to California, end quote. Marriage equality. There is no marriage between male and male, female and female. You see this male referring to this other male as his husband. You see this female referring to this other female as her wife. You've got a problem. And yet we have under the gun of the federal government and the state governments, even those teachers who do not want to go along with this are forced to indoctrinate children that that is normal, natural, honorable, right, deserving of respect and honor. There are consequences for these things. You remember that old TV show, Truth or consequences, there are consequences. And we haven't seen all of them yet. But they are at hand. But dear Obama, just the reason that Hillary's silent partners, the reason that the inner circle of the exceedingly uber-rich, uber-powerful social engineers and world designers and planners switched allegiance from Hillary to Barack is because he was every bit as evil, but ever so much more skillful and winsome a candidate. I mentioned before about University of Iowa, and I mentioned it in conjunction with, in connection with uh, this 
view of Iowa, of certain <laughs> portions of Iowa, put forth with regard to the kidnap, rape, enslavement of Molly Tibbetts, Molly Cecilia Tibbetts, which is still just regarded as a missing person's case. And, of course, the FBI can't get involved, even though she was undoubtedly taken across state lines very quickly. But, no, we can't get the FBI involved in these things. That's not a priority. Priorities are overturning, gutting our Constitution, pushing and promoting the sodomite agenda on the United States of America. But, no, trying to rescue kidnapped girls, that is not important. That is not a priority. So, the wonderful University of Iowa, they're in Cornville, Iowa, you know, so wholesome, so all-American, middle of the country, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma. You could say the bread belt, belt pardon me, of U.S. of A., the bread belt, right? Um, it's interesting that the University of Iowa has been on the cutting edge of so many things. I I have a, uh, a number of family members, and uh, one in particular looks exceedingly derisively at certain geographical areas of the country, views them as backwaters, podunk, Hicks, Hicksville, you know, Oklahoma, Iowa, okay, Eastern Washington, Eastern Oregon, Eastern California, the list goes on. But I do find it interesting that here, dear old University of Iowa, they've been leading the way. They are so proudly leading the way for so long. As I mentioned before, again, they just kicked InterVarsity Christian Fellowship off campus. They created a rule to discriminate against Christian Fellowship, the University Christian Fellowship, requiring them to select leaders who are not of the Christian faith. <laughs> Outstanding. And for their refusal to do that, for University Christian Fellowship's refusal to do that, they banned them from campus. Outstanding, righteous, intellectually honest. Uh, leadership there from University of Iowa. But University of Iowa, (laughs) it became, some time back, years back, it became the first public university in the United States of America to include a question about students' sexual orientation within their application for admission. No, not to discriminate against them, to discriminate for them. So it was just, okay, quote, let me give you this quote and see what you think of it. LGBTQ, again, the Q standing for queer, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer students are important members of our campus community, and we want to provide them with an opportunity to identify themselves in order to be connected to resources and to build networking structures. That from the university's chief diversity officer. That was in a press release. And quote, what we've heard from students, especially LGBTQ students, is that they don't find out about support services and organizations until they've been here for a year or two, unfortunately. This allows us to do some more personal outreach, this, this matter of asking them these questions and so forth. Quote, quote, this is a question whose time had come. That from, end quote, uh, from the Iowa admissions director. Quote, we think this will cause them to look more closely at the university, because we value that part of who they are. We want students to feel we are receptive to and sensitive to their lifestyle and their description of themselves, end quote. So, University of Iowa has proudly been leading the way. 
Yes. It was the first state university to officially recognize the LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer community. Mm. And in 2009, the Iowa Supreme Court ruled unanimously that Iowa's marriage laws prohibiting same-sex perversion of marriage violated the state's constitution, making the state the first in the Midwest to allow sodomites to formally marry. Exciting. Exciting. These places of such intellectual... higher thinking, research, so forth. Just outstanding that you find such intellectual honesty there. Well, you know, back when, this is back in 2012, when that case was brought against Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Bakery, the American Psychological Association or the, pardon me, the American Psychiatric Association. There is a distinction there. So the American Psychiatric Association's Board of Trustees, they approved certain particular changes to their Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Among those was that in which they stated that being transgender is no longer a disorder. And that goes back prior to that. Prior to that, they had also, going back many years before that, had ruled that being a sodomite was no longer a disorder. <laughs> They've been having to roll back, you know, these truths that they stand by, these unshakable truths that they stand by. Now, I just I find it amusing because the American Psychiatric Association is not godly, has never been godly. Psychiatry has never been godly. It was founded by people that were absolute avowed enemies of God and of Christ. So I do find it humorous that things have gotten so bad in this nation that the American Psychiatric Association has had to pull back from its stands and its stated truths to accept things that are even more vile and profane uh, than they had held to previously. I just think that is remarkable. Well, Speaking of Donald Trump, I, our president, uh, I mentioned, I've mentioned more than once that among the many reasons <laughs> that I've had less than a, a good view of Trump forever and a day, uh, that there is, again, much evidence regarding who the man really is, as there was a great deal of evidence concerning who. Bill Clinton, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Albert Arnold Gore Jr. were before they came to town, so to speak, before they won the presidency. So, too, there was, despite his lack of time in the U.S. Senate, despite his lack of high-ranking political experience, there was evidence concerning who and what manner of man Barack Hussein Obama was. But a great many people went ahead and voted for Barack Hussein Obama. 
as if they knew nothing about him, without looking into who and what he was. It's a little bit similar to the members of Congress signing bills, which they have not read because the bills are so dense, so voluminous. Remember Nancy Pelosi famously making a remarkable statement concerning that, something to the effect that, you know, that we would know what was in the bill after we signed it or some incredible thing. But anyway, dear old Donald, there has been much evidence. It's not just what's come out during the general election campaigning. No. And since then, it goes back further than that. Please, people. Back, I don't know when it was, 2012 or whatever, you know, in addition to his investments in casinos, in addition to his promotion of gambling, gaming, what have you, which has not benefited the United States of America, has not benefited the social fabric of the United States of America, to put it gently, but In addition to that, of course, he acquired the rights to a few beauty pageants, high-profile ones that then he featured at his facilities, his gala casino convention center hotel omnibus facilities. So... With regard to the Miss Universe Canada pageant, the first ever transgender contestant competed. She was initially denied entry to Canada's pageant because she, (laughs) she, make that it, was not born Female. Oh, my gosh. And they discriminated against this poor thing because it wasn't born female? They didn't think it should be able to compete against females in a beauty pageant? Well, guess who came to her aid? Yes, the Donald. That's right, the Donald. This is, again, before he ran for president, let alone became president Donald Trump, who then ran the Miss Universe organization, he overruled that onerous decision. Yes. So now, transgender competitors are welcomed at all Miss Universe pageants all around the world. Thank you, Donald. Thank you, Mr. President. Kindly make America great again. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.